0: Hello, I'm Aidan
1: Gallagher. I'm Peter Reeves. Welcome to API, our integration podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to set the world to rights on various topics in the world of enterprise integration, and it scratches our collective itches as engineers who just want to uh, rant about enterprise IT over a cup of coffee or tea. Hello, Peter. Hello, Aidan. How are you?
0: I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah,
1: doing well. I'm glad to hear Starting a little bit later than we thought we would, but oh well.
0: We're fluid, we're agile.
1: Yeah, yeah, we can react to changing requirements. Quickly. Even at a late stage.
0: Especially at a late stage. (laughs) So um, what have we gathered onto this
1: podcast to discuss today? We are talking about a topic that I think originated from one of those companies that likes to get held up as like a trendy example of we did something uh, and then everyone copied us. And we, we're like the trendsetters, like Spotify, like Spotify with tribes and squads and guilds. Should, should, should we introduce the thing, maybe? Maybe we should introduce the uh, thing. Maybe we should. We're planning on discussing chaos engineering today. Yes. Which or as I like to call it, just chaos. Just chaos, sometimes engineering. <laughs> chaos. But we've, we've put engineering on it to make it sound slightly less yeah. chaotic. Like purposeful chaos. Someone's thought about this. <laughs> Now I'm worried I'm going to get my history wrong, because normally you do the history lesson. It was, I think it was Netflix in like the early 2010s? I'm going to say it was after 2010. And obviously Netflix are quite a big user of cloud. I don't think this is necessarily a cloud-specific thing, but they obviously have quite a large infrastructure, given the amount of throughput and traffic they have to push through, and just the amount of workload that they have. What is chaos engineering? It is... It's basically killing stuff randomly, isn't it? Um, I've described it, or I would describe it as not necessarily the practice of killing stuff randomly, it's the practice of introducing maybe non-optimal running conditions into a system in order to prove that the system can handle it, can deal with it. And this is with a view to identifying issues around, normally around resilience and then being able to prove that, oh, well, our system can handle it, and that gives us the warm, fuzzy feeling.
0: Yeah, so the general idea is that you're on a system, things that you wouldn't necessarily expect to happen um, will happen at random, and the test really is to see whether the system can, can handle that random thing happening or not. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lots of things I want to discuss about this. The first
1: is, does this only work in container-based systems? No. I, I, in fact, I didn't think that chaos engineering was, was a was a container-specific thing.
0: Because in my head, chaos engineering is where you randomly shut down, say, a container or a pod, which makes sense to me. Does the pod come mm-hmm. back up when you tear it down? Because that's what you expect from your modern um, container management system. So the first question is, does it have to be containers? And the answer is no. No. Nope no it doesn't have to be and that's because you could implement the chaos on non-container systems too
1: the the, the original thing was was chaos monkey wasn't it do you remember do you remember when chaos monkey was really cool and people used to talk about it and and i'm i'm pretty sure that chaos monkey's thing what chaos monkey actually did was it would randomly shut down a machine like a virtual machine i don't want to say it was like pre-containers and kubernetes and everything but i'm pretty sure that was the the original chaos Monkey was it will randomly shut down virtual machines and then and then it grew into things like there was I remember there was like a I remember there was a chaos monkey and there was a chaos kong and chaos kong was like supposed to shut down a whole data center or shut down a whole region or something
0: so yeah what they actually had was uh, the, the, the first one was the chaos monkey and then they had the simian yeah. army that was it it was a, a yeah that was a whole it. bunch of um, chaos simians and they each had different things so uh, one was shutting down machines and another one was like you said it was shutting down the entire data center
1: another i think did networking and another one was security breaches I think there was, i think those was there was definitely a networking one i think there was like a network latency one right and we' and we're saying these as, as though like ones, they're things to collect, they're different different Pokemon to catch. Have you got the network monkey? Have you got the have you got the, the shutdown monkey? They were they were the they were all these different tools which I think Netflix originally created and I think they might have open sourced a few of them. Uh that that implemented these different yeah non optimal running conditions, these different issues into your distributed system. And then Chaos Engineering was can you handle it? And well, you should be able to handle it. So in my head
0: and the, the, was that chaos engineering is about random destruction or random disruption rather than destruction so random disruption but from what
1: you're saying that it's not actually that random at all it, it it is random it's but I think I think chaos engineering as a whole is around I would say I would say maybe setting culture and like a culture in your organization sort of setting culture and setting expectations for applications and for systems and that that everyone has to be thinking about this resilience thinking about the fact that your code is going to be run in in like the non happy path in in non optimal conditions and it's kind of moving your organization your developers to have a mindset where breakdowns and problems are inevitable resilience kind of gets thought about at every stage so you've got to think about h a you've got to be thinking about data redundancy you've got to be thinking about how we recover from disasters everyone has to be thinking about it because they because there is going to be a big acid test in production where it's not if it's when and the when is quite soon when someone randomly starts killing your boxes or killing your pods in the middle of some transaction and you've got to deal with it this is where I start to get lots of question marks
0: around the concepts of chaos engineering which is how likely are these things to actually happen in production and is that not surely more a testament to the the quality of what's been built so in the in the past people used to get really excited about how long their applications had been up and running uh, and not gone down Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. the whole point of that was to be resilient and to stay up and to be active and uh, it was a show of um, stability to um keep things up and running now with chaos engineering and specifically say chaos monkey for example which was a tearing down of uh let's say the availability or the shutting down mm-hmm. of a single machine to see if it came back up that's sort of the opposite of traditional mindset of let's see how long this can stay up actually it going down at all ever is a bad thing so just let's make sure that we never it never goes down rather than try and make sure that we can handle it well when it comes up. So I suppose my question is, is the priorities moved away from let's make sure this is stable to let's make sure even though this isn't stable and we're not that bothered about stability, that when it does come, when it does get destroyed, uh,
1: we can bring it back. I think it's kind of moved from "Let's hope we never have to deal with X disaster issue, blah blah blah" to "Let's just get good at dealing with this stuff, so that these problems are really something that we can just take in our stride entirely and isn't a big deal." Think think about like um, think about when DevOps was really cool and neat, and people were like. Well, because I've scripted my deployment instead of having one guy who sits in the corner of the office who literally types, copies files to servers and types run on a CLI every time you want to redo a build. Someone's saying, well, because we've written a load of automated scripts and done some pipelines and work, um, we're now not scared of doing deploys. It's no longer a big risky thing um we do deploys tens of times a day as opposed to once a month when the stars align and we get the deployment team in and so what's happened is they've invested effort so that what used to be an issue wasn't a big deal anymore and it meant that they could they could they could just accelerate their pace of uh, development and the the speed at which they can get new features in because they've made this effort and sort of similar i think that chaos engineering is Crikey, it'd be terrible if we had to fail over the database or what would happen if, we don't know what would happen if this random piece of infrastructure exploded because uh, the guy that put it in disappeared or it cost us like a thousand quid to get him out for a day. Well why not just accept that that whatever explodes and let's just get really good at fixing it so we know how to do it or get the get some automated deployment things, just fix it if it explodes. No, I, I, feel like that, I feel like that's the sort of thing you're going for with chaos engineering. You're getting so that you're not scared of bad things happening because there's something you faced before in the same way that like DevOps is. We're, we're not scared of doing the end-to-end software development lifecycle because it's something that we've done before and now it's really easy.
0: But I would argue that it was never a case of let's just hope it doesn't, Fails so it's not like since the dawn of time we've just gone uh we've deployed That's just hope so i imagine there are companies and organizations that have built applications infrastructure systems that they haven't tested haven't that have just thrown up and said right we've got it up there as quick as we can and we're just going to leave it there now my argument would be that we've always recommended to do lots of testing throughout the system so It's not like we've never done availability testing before chaos engineering. It's not like we've never failed over a a data center before chaos engineering. Yeah. So like once a year, we'd do a a failover to a DR scenario. And that's part of the same thing. The difference, I suppose, is that with chaos engineering, the expectation is that it's consistently running, that it's consistently Mm. introducing random irregularities to see how the system copes. However, how likely is it that those irregularities would happen in the real it would do happen in the real world if it's once every 10 years then surely that should only happen once every 10 years in your chaos engineering uh, system
1: yeah i suppose it's maybe it's like a risk versus reward thing like um if the the horrendous issue only happens once every 10 years then you've kind of got to hope that the time that it does happen you've got all your ducks in a row and and the, the operations team pull off the manual process to get it done whereas if they have to rectify the database or, or fail it over once a week or once a day, you'll think, in that case, maybe we'll put some automated procedures around it. And then the time that it happens, not because of some chaos engineering, but the time it happens for real, they're like, well, we can take this in our stride. So do you not think it encourages people to build system resilient systems and systems that are good to operate? I think it adds risk where there potentially wasn't risk before
0: or a very low chance of risk. So we, if a problem occurs every three, four years, the chances are you've upgraded your software by then and, and once a year you do your DR testing. So you have tested it every year. It's just not chaotic. It's not just happening on the system when you, when you least expect it. You are doing security scans regularly. If it's just talking about automating existing tasks in the same time frame, mm-hmm. I think that's fine. If we are introducing regular chaos i appreciate that you Mm -hmm. can't plan for chaos but by introducing chaos as part of a test system into as part of a test which this is all chaos engineering it is testing i i feel like the risk is probably
1: much higher than the reward no i disagree because i think it builds it builds knowledge and it builds value and it builds um, confidence in the platform.
0: Yeah, so confidence I, yeah, I know I, agree I know with that, that it's yeah. I know
1: it's weather I know that we can weather these issues because we've weathered them before. Whereas if if someone phoned you up and said, Oh, that system that you built two years ago it all—it's all just fallen over, and and we're all absolutely furious. You'd be like, oh, oh, crikey, what's going to go wrong? Are they going to find that I wrote something incorrectly in the documentation two years ago, and they're going to try and throw me under the bus? So when, something like when
0: that. When we're building uh, platforms, for example, what well, normally we'll do mm-hmm.
1: a DR test before we sort of
0: release it into the wild before pr- it becomes productionized. Normally, a lot—well, a lot of organisations, especially in the financial sector, will do at least yearly failover testing or that's part of their policy. Does that not give you confidence enough having done it once when you handed it over and then it happening on a periodic basis? And it's in a managed known timescale. You can make sure you've got the resources available. You can make sure that there's maybe a backup system uh, available. Whilst I get that that doesn't
1: that does that give me confidence? Yeah, I suppose it does. But you got to remember that those are very those are managed conditions. Like the operations team knows oh, we we know the database is going to have a simulated disaster tomorrow. I'd better just quickly flick at the documents and make sure that I know what to do, or I'd better have a quick look and make sure that the backups have been running. I get what you're saying. That's good, but it's not exactly. Real world enviro- real world scenario. Is it? You could argue
0: though that in the real world, things don't just tear down randomly
1: but but they do disasters
0: do happen randomly so disasters happen say for example i don't know a data center blows up even today a lot of the dr's methodologies are to rebuild from a backup or to copy the existing thing into an into a new region for example yes you can test that you could test that already we, we could test that right now in any any given system but if it happens randomly at any time any day any hour an entire team could be dragged into the office to look at an issue that potentially never would have happened in the wild does that give you confidence or does actually does that make you think you know do you go home thinking oh no the system could crash this week and i'm on call because we've got chaos engineering in place and at any point i could get a call saying oh no we've 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 purposely broken the system in a way that potentially might not have happened in the wild to try and uncover potential issues with the system that was stable before the chaos engineering took place.
1: I feel as though chaos, I don't know, I feel as though chaos engineering encourages you to put in those kinds of automated deployments and self-healing practices so that if chaos engineering is killing your database every day and to fix your database, it's a three-hour manual task for some database admin, surely, surely they must have thought, crikey there is a lot of risk about this database this is like our organizational gold we cannot afford to lose this if anything goes wrong I'll bloody well put a script around it so that it's not some horrendous three-hour manual process where I could fat-finger something and it all goes to pot I thought that was the point of chaos engineering that it encourages that kind of culture that people think I've got to be thinking about resilience in production so I can't just go on thinking, oh, well, when that does happen, we'll just follow these instructions. It's No, when it does happen, I'm absolutely prepared, and I know that I just need to press go on the restore backup job, and that's it. Everything else is taken care for me.
0: Can you encourage good culture without potentially breaking your systems?
1: Yes, but this is such a good acid test. I don't know why you wouldn't.
0: It's a motivator. You might have to come in at the weekend if you don't
1: do this right. So, you better get yeah. it you better get it right, you salaried employee. It, it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 a it's a motivator and it's an acid test. You can't you can't deny it. You can't weasel words or, or slopey your shoulder away your out of it. The the thing that you manage is going to explode or it's going to be killed off or its dependencies are going to drop off the network. And you know you've got to be ready for it. I'm not entirely
0: convinced that random doing it random i think it's the random part i know it's not random but it it is because it's a process running to randomly uh, make these things happen i don't know if you could enact the same culture the same methods but doing it in a managed way automated agreed but around specific times and having a team available and i don't think that's an issue because that would that would still breed a, a positive culture, wouldn't it? If you said, okay, at some point in the next month, like an audit, we're gonna come in, we're gonna come with our um, chaos tools, and sit down on this system and see what see what we can do, much in the same way like a security vulnerability test, for example.
1: Yeah, I think that would be good. I mean, in the next month, makes me think that okay, you're your organisation is going to be inspired for the next month to make sure all their ducks are in a row, everything's ready. They know all of their... They know all the responsibilities of their jobs. Right, but... And then, after that month, are they going to sort of... Oh, I'll take my foot off the pedal a bit. Oh, I can go back to coasting for the next 11 months of the year until they do this again next year. Right,
0: so I'm not saying do it one month out of the year. I'm saying that... All right, okay. The pro... The, the actual test itself, the the chaos, could mm-hmm. be... that The chaos itself could be random. However... Having it happen at any time of day, anywhere, is is an issue.
1: But I, f- I feel like that's that's part of the thing. I feel like you can't to to get away from that is to is to deny the whole point that you are proving that you can handle random failures. But if
0: I did it once a month, you'd still have to you'd still have to make your container resilient in the same way you would if I did it every every evening.
1: Yeah, but it could it could be any time. That once a month, it could be at like two a.m. on Saturday
0: not if i scheduled once a
1: month at 7 p.m. no i feel i feel that's i feel that you're you're spitting in the face of, of chaos engineering that's that that's like against the um, it's not in the spirit but but i but I, I understand how you would probably get like you'd get most of the bang for your buck by doing it that because way because even if you did it once a month it was automated and it was
0: scheduled you'd still have to make sure that everything succeeded in the same way that you'd expect it if you're doing it at a random time of the day but you wouldn't have a team who is consistently... I don't know. It's, for me, I think I'd feel a bit of dread if, if I thought somebody was going to come and potentially put a hammer through my wall at any any point of the day. Whereas if I knew it was going to happen at a certain time, at least I would consistently have... Every, I'd, I'd consistently check. So I was like, Ah, oh, next month that's coming up. I'd still check it.
1: Do you not feel that the point of the randomness is that it proves out the weak links? I mean, yeah, we know that Aiden's really good at the... Aiden really understands the integration platform and he's he works nine to five every day. so when this chaos hits, we know he can handle it. but when uh, when Bob, who's, who's' running the night shift ops and he just sits at the control center network operations center picking his nose, um, we'd better not schedule any of the chaos for that time because we might not it might not be fixed until Monday morning when Aiden comes in.
0: What I'm saying I suppose is that to me it sounds slightly like chaos for chaos sake to many I think it would be well how often would these things happen anyway and is this additional resources of having everyone available everyone come in and coming up with um remedies to situations that might never have happened in the wild is that a good value
1: for money uh, I think it is good value for money because I maybe maybe me personally I would put I put a high price on the warm fuzzy feeling of knowing that knowing that stuff really works. I dislike risk, so I'm happy to know that maybe more effort than the bare minimum is being invested. Think about think about performance testing, think about when someone does a massive load test or a massive like soak test and I mean really the platform is never going to do this handle this so why are we doing it we're, we're doing it to find out where the weaknesses are in where the weaknesses are in the platform what's the bit that's going to fall over first or what do we experience as an organization what do we experience when this high load goes through a bunch of boxes oh oh the the oh the logging can't keep up oh we didn't really know uh, how to restart this uh, individual microservice that fell over that sort of thing In reality, your platform should never be receiving that higher load. That would always be getting blocked by the layers upon layers of network architecture and firewalls and load balancers and fluff. However, we still do those tests because we need to know and we need to have confidence of what will happen. Hence, why do we do chaos engineering? We get the warm, fuzzy feeling knowing what will happen in these situations outside of sort of perfect conditions yeah
0: so i think i'd i agree with the principle of the randomness i agree that the automation of basically the tests
1: chaos tests the responses yeah and
0: how the responses happen i feel like having it injected into a production system
1: is a step too far but i think i feel that that's necessary in order to fully understand it's like Oh, we've done we've done it in we've done it in the test environment, and oh, and the consultants are looking at the test environment, and everyone's familiar with it. And you'll never you you never perfectly like production unless you like unless you're in production. Uh, production's maintained by a different team, or we uses a different thing, or it's it's calling on a dependency or an endpoint that's outside our control. Okay, and what if
0: what if the chaos engineering causes a disturbance? that might not have ordinarily happened, which does lead to real damage to, say, customer data, or it means that customers are unable to access a vital service, say, for example, I don't know, a COVID vaccine um, booking system. If it was to take that down for two, three hours, and seriously affected the rollout of, of something like that is, is that, is that really valuable? When, when the issue that it exposes may never have happened.
1: I think that in that scenario, you would probably have done a soft launch. And before before you absolutely open the floodgates, you would have done a soft launch and you would have done your chaos engineering in prod. And then if it turns out that two days after the soft launch, uh, chaos monkey kills off your database and you realize no one knows how to get it back. Uh, okay, right.
0: Right. So what you're saying is that chaos mo- uh, engineering is potentially
1: for a limited time anyway. Um, A COVID vaccine booking application has got a limited lifespan.
0: Right, okay. Let me try another example. So, uh, a banking app that fails, I don't know, chaos engineering means that on payday, a typical payday is the end of the month for a lot of people, uh, it takes down the system, and all of a bank's customers are unable to access their mobile phone. Banking and nairobi to get money out, a, unable to do shopping, unable to buy. I don't know. There's people who've bought fuel at the petrol station, unable to pay for it. For example, is the negative impact of chaos in that
1: event? I feel that the th- I feel that the threat of that should be enough to inspire your organizational culture to say, I know that I have to develop my banking application in such a way that it can be recovered and we won't have a break in service at 5pm on payday on the last day of the month, even when all the batch jobs are running and even when everyone's hammering the system, withdrawing their wages, going to the petrol pumps.
0: I, I would argue that people already do try to do that. Are the chaos tests limited in what they can achieve because they need to be written by people and people can only think of the scenarios that they can think of and it's the ones that people can't think of that are the
1: real issues i think that this it forces you to be diligent and it flushes out the weak areas i I feel i feel like we know we we normally agree on the topics but i feel as though we disagree on this
0: one the the common thing is is that we both want resilient systems we both agree that the randomness is positive that it it does make systems more resilient and it does make people think more about uh, how the system reacts so even as i I, I, was, I was being a bit devil's advocate because when i was saying that that organizations would do failover testing once and once a year in reality do they do that Probably not probably not i'm always told that they expect to do yearly practices mm-hmm. but, but in reality probably don't so uh yeah you're, you're right it does actually it forces that mentality onto people i think the one place that i truly disagree because I, I was just being a bit adv- adversarial is production i i I, that's the one thing i think i feel strongly about in that i i think it'd be fine if it was limited so outside of core hours or it it functions in the same way but outside of core hours or potentially in a pre-production because we've all i've always said that customers should have a pre-production that looks exactly like production
1: i i completely agree that you should always have a pre-production that's as production like as possible but it never is. There's always one random mainframe that they don't have a copy of in pre-prod, or it's always, oh, actually in production it's managed by a different team who no one's told the process to, or it's always, well, actually, there's an external third party that we depend on for this in production. And I feel as though it's these horrible edge cases where if there is a situation, it's going to really trip you up.
0: So, if we were to summarise slightly what we've said what is chaos engineering
1: what is chaos engineering
0: it's the practice of introducing non-optimal running conditions into a system and it's the point is to prove that the system can handle it it's to know that if there's issues in resilience networking security etc and it is to build a culture where resilience and availability and making sure things can come back is is uh adhered
1: to yeah that sounds right to me i'd agree with that
0: and i think you've been positively on the chaos engineering everywhere side of the today's discussion
1: to be honest i can't think of any reasons when i would be against it i i think there's maybe times where i'd be like where i might be like you i think it's a good idea but i'm thinking is it a really great use of our time If I was responsible for the long-term support of a platform, I would be all over this because I wouldn't want to ever get caught out by something like this. So I wonder if that's the reason for our opinions.
0: So I've been a customer and they've had issues in production and there are other issues that I think would mean that Chaos Engineering would cause more issues in specific organisations. However... I think it's entirely dependent on the on the teams and and how culture can be shaped within the organisation to prepare for for this. I, I think it's a good idea. I think
1: it has a real good place in it, but I think it probably you need the, need the culture for it. You need some Spotify chapters and squads and tribes and guilds. Yeah,
0: and I think partially you need to be to be skilled and to be skilled in it and know what you're doing. I think you need to be able to. I think you need to understand what it is how it is and make sure that the 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 company or the organization
1: is 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 ready for chaos engineering.
0: so any parting thoughts before we uh stop peter
1: yeah i think if i was doing a long-term support role i would be all over it in the same way that i i really love things like automated testing when i'm in a development role because i know that it's it's painful. Maybe it's painful to start, and it but it forces you to think about all the paths, and it means that you have to be able to. But it builds your resilience in your end product. I
0: I feel like this is still slightly open. This is still quite an open conversation.
1: I I sense that for you, you're still not sure of the balance between effort towards payoff yes. and risk cost. Yeah. Risk
0: and cost. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I agree that. It it would definitely be a no-brainer for me in the hypothetical situation where I am responsible or I am part of the long-term support of a product.
0: So I suppose if any of our listeners have any views or have used Chaos Engineering uh, in anger, we'd let us know. Tell us which one of us is is completely wrong and which of us is uh, completely right or how we're... uh, probably a nice balance how, of the reality. How we're both wrong. We're both completely wrong, yeah.
1: Yeah, how we're both wrong, yeah. Lovely. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Goodbye.